Space Cave, broadcasting from the furthest reaches of our known universe. Apologies for the delay. I was um, waiting to record these little elements until after the um, anniversary junk show, which was uh, last night. And then I kind of thought I would check in with a citizen of planet Earth or whatnot, but then as time went on, I uh, sort of dropped the ball on that, so I apologize for the delayed release. I hope it didn't throw off your schedule too much. Although I assume that a lot of you wait and kind of binge listen to these episodes. If I'm inaccurate on that and you get your week started with a Monday morning Space Cave episode, let me know and I will... I feel like they're usually out pretty much on time to start the week in the morning, but um, I can make even a more concerted effort if you're like, hey, I need that. Anyway, this is a real Space cave episode. The stuff that maybe you consider synonymous with the idea of this show, learning about the universe, how it works and operates, dealing with an actual physicist, and someone who's familiar with the quantum world. We get pretty into that. I met him on Dave Farina's podcast, Professor Dave Debates. If you haven't checked that out, give it a listen. Dave's a great guy. Also went and saw his new band, uh, Simulated Sun, play recently. So fun. Real synthy and cool and Uh, I know there's a lot of that type of music happening currently, and you might be thinking, oh, another one of those, but it's so different and weird and kind of this Devo vibe, and it was real enjoyable. So, Simulated Sun, have your ears open for them putting new music into the world. I don't even know if they've recorded anything. They just have stuff ready to play live. Anyway, I met this next gentleman as a guest on that show, found him to be thoroughly engaging, and I hope you enjoy him as well having some IPA, chatting about physics, particularly quantum physics. Here's uh, part one with Billy Hubbard. We're doing it. And then I'm going to... Ooh, there goes the recursion IPA. Do you know what that term means? Um, So uh, recursion kind of means it goes back on itself. So like a recursive relationship will be like, you know, you have... N minus whatever is the next term. So, yeah. Kind of. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you were just, before we started, you were so you noticed my fly fishing gear. Said you used to do a bit of that. Or your dad tried to teach you, but you weren't yeah, so good at it. Yeah, a little bit. I, yeah, I hit myself in the back of the head a few times. I could eventually kind of get it out in front of me. Uh, but, yeah, never caught anything on it. But, yeah, my dad uh, was a marine biologist. So, I think that's kind of where me wanting to do science kind of started from. You know, kind of do like dad. And then... Yeah. <laughs> that- I feel like maybe I should keep track of how the breakdown goes, like the people that come in here. Some of them are like, it's eight, and maybe people listening would would know, like, oh, it, it it's very clear the people that have parents that were in academia and or like highly educated typically go into that a little bit more. It sounds like that's maybe more frequent than, oh, yeah, my parents are both whatever the career might be that's a little less... Um, you know, requires less in-depth schooling. Yeah, I, uh, I I do notice that a lot of people that I went to school with to do physics had like you know one one or both of their parents were physicists. So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, I feel I feel like something that it's rare to really want to push yourself through that kind of program without having kind of a role model uh, yeah. to follow. Was it role model in the way of just like, hey son, like this is what you do, this is life, or was it, man, my dad knows cool stuff. No, it was, it was just kind of, uh, I think, just the attitude of like, hey, like learning about stuff is cool and like, uh-huh. you know, kind of having the Discovery Channel on, you know, all the time and, and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Do you yeah. think you can raise kids that way? Or if like... I feel like, you know, because I'm, I'm getting up in age and I'm thinking of, you know, the whole having my own kids in the next 10 years or so. Uh-huh. Um, my fiance would probably punch me if I said 10 years, but <laughs> um, it's the idea of, you know, I feel like anybody who's ever really like pushed into something by their parents, you, you kind of naturally rebel against that. Yeah. So I feel like the way I was brought up was kind of, you know, and it encouraged if you're into something, you know, I was really into rocks for a few years. So, you know, I got a little, bought me a little rock collection stuff for Christmas. And I think it's just, if you 
kind of let their own natural curiosity take over and, and don't put too much pressure. You know, hopefully something good will come out of it. Did you ever talk to them about what does your mom do? Uh, so my mom, she ran a daycare at our house because I'm one of five kids. Okay. And so we're all, you know, within a five year span. So instead of, you know, paying for all five of us to go to daycare while she works, she just ran a daycare out of our home. Five kids in five years? Yeah. Whew. Yeah. That's yeah. how you do it. Yeah. Well, the, the last two were twins. So that, that, uh. <laughs> that, that really factored in. Uh, but wow. yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so, so she ran a daycare at our house. So we always kind of had, you know, 10, 15 kids in the house at any given time. A lot of, um, I mean a lot, I'm thinking of a couple and I can't quite place them, but this scenario sounds familiar to me where the person goes, my mom, however, is the genius. She just didn't go to this level of schooling, but like she's insanely bright. Yeah, I can definitely see like, you know, the, the like one, you know, there's kind of the academic part of my brain I get from my dad, but kind of the clever, creative side I kind of get from my mom. I feel like, yeah, there's a pretty good blend. Yeah. When you go to meet people you should re- refer to yourself as a total package <laughs> that would be really cool <laughs> we got both sides gang I, uh no but I, I think those are so valuable and probably uh beneficial i think everyone i don't know i guess you you hear pe- some people go like oh i am i'm i have no street smarts but more often than not people are like i have a bit of both and yeah. i get one from this and one from this even if it's not apparent but they are uh yeah i didn't mean to slag you off there with saying like but I think it's good to be creative like, and like, did you go to school with kids that were like, had none of that? Like, I am just a computer. Um, No, I mean, I, I, so I went to school in Massachusetts and I think the the kind of the cleverest people were the people who had the, the best insults in the, in the group of friends. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I, I think I, I kind of went to school with pretty well-rounded people. I just uh, kind of, uh, I don't know if it's like work ethic or whatever. I was just like, I kind of want to stick with the science thing. So yeah. I, I actually... A real, well, as of high school, was really hoping I'd, I was in a band and stuff and was hoping that would take off. And I was like, oh, this, you know, science stuff can be a side gig, but that didn't, didn't really pan <laughs> out too well as it, as it usually doesn't. What was the name of the band? Do you guys have anything recorded? Uh, yeah, it was called Forrest Henderson. Um, we did all right in Boston. We, I think we got to a point where slightly more than just our friends were listening to us. <laughs> so, so that was fun. That's pretty good. What kind of music? Uh, it was just like rock, you know, kind of danceable, hopefully catchy rock stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is any particular band that you'd be like, it's kind of like this. So our our pitch, which I don't think matched up at all to what we sounded like, but it was uh, if Elvis Costello and Led Zeppelin started a Cheap Trip cover band. Oh, I'm into that. <laughs> so, yeah. We're all, it was, a, you know, all my high school buddies and we're real, real big, like, classic rock fans. So uh-huh. it was kind of that mixed in with kind of the, you know, mid 2000s kind of dance rock kind of movement thing. So, man, you should send some along. Maybe we can play it at the end of this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Free <laughs> press. Yeah. Coming back. <laughs> guys, we're getting the band back together. Guys, I got, I got major press coming up. <laughs> Watch your inboxes. <laughs> what was that like when it kind of, when it, there had to be a moment where it's like, I can't or guys well, we're done. So we, we, I mean, we had some, uh, you know, some, some riffs in the band anyways, but uh, it really, what ended it was I got accepted to grad school in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. So, you know, so we had our, our, our final show and sold out this, you know, great Scott, which is this like really cool, like, you know, few hundred person venue in Boston and where we kind of like saw some of our heroes play and it was cool to like sell that out with like all our friends and family there. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was cool. So getting to live little parts of dreams. Exactly. Oh no, it's definitely like, it will forever be one of the, you know, top 10 moments of my life. Just, mm-hmm. you know, having, we did like a, you know, hour and a half long set, like played every song and all the covers. And we actually have a live recording of that too, that we released like a couple of years back as like the, the fifth anniversary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It's, it's, it's a part of my life that you can't really take away and I'm ha- really happy I had it. So, and it's all, all those guys are like still some of my best friends and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. There was um shout out to the the Fat Camp Kids, a little band from uh, I believe they're from El Paso. Um talked to them and they they're really going after it making and I think they're good and uh but that was one of the perils I I warned them about. And you never know what they are going to be. Someone gets mm-hmm. a person pregnant or someone oh, yeah. has to join the military depending on how young you are. But you don't think of that one like, oh, I'm going to grad school to study physics. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, uh, if I didn't leave, we probably would have broken up anyways. Just because, I mean, it is, it's like having a relationship, but with like four people, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's really, you know, even if you, you know, if you love these people like brothers, it's still, you know, you hate your brother sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, 
it ran a good course and I'm definitely, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll put out a, a, you know, a final full length album someday. Like I, I, when I came back out here, I, I played a little bit with a group called Monk's Advice and mm-hmm. I'm still trying to write, but it's, it's been a while, but we'll, we'll yeah. see. Does it feel weird like sitting in with a new group or is that just standard course for being in a for, band? For me, it was kind of when I, when I kind of left that band and then came out here, I was like, you know, I, I, I these were the kind of guys I kind of grew up with and like learned about like the Beatles and stuff with. And so I, I had it in my head that, you know, anything that I wrote would have been nothing without these guys. So it was kind of part of it was to prove to myself that like, no, I can kind of stand alone, like be a good musician. So mm-hmm. and it was, yeah, it was cool. It was fun. It was different. And it, it was, uh, I got yelled at a lot less <laughs> because these <laughs> it was some guys I wasn't as tight with, <laughs> which was kind of nice. What were, the, were you the, so when you mentioned writing, I'm assuming you're singing as well. Yeah. Were you doing like lead vocals, lead guitar uh, or not, rhythm guitar? No, rhythm guitar. I'm not a great guitarist, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So singing and, and, and writing and actually used to play in the subway back in Boston which is where I kind of got my singing chops up a little Whoa, bit. Oh cool. So you were going after it. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a really good hobby. I mean, that's When they yelled at you, what was it about? Shitty lyrics? Oh or? no, well it was, you know, either either, you know, I putting together a set list and I really want this song or I didn't want to play this song or, you know, I couldn't play this part or, yeah. you know, just, just, you know, pe- trying to, trying to get everything as, uh, trying to get everything as perfect as you can, but there's three, three or four different v- visions of what perfect is. Yeah. You know? I've just picked going back and picturing your parents and particularly your dad, because I guess as a male, you probably like identify a little bit more with that, like watching this kid grow up and you probably have some ambitions or ideals for their, their life in some way, mostly just to be happy. Sure. But you're probably watching like, Man, this kid's pretty smart and he like plays music. I hope he, hope he just enjoys whatever he does and probably wanting to push you a little bit. And it must've well, been interesting. So when, when I graduated college, my mom explicitly said, you know, I, I know you really enjoy the science stuff and, 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 you know, it makes you happy, but make sure you, you save some time for the band. <laughs> she was, she was all in. She was our biggest fan. It was, it was really that. cute. Yeah. It was yeah. cool. And so you were into science and did you already know, like, it's not going to be marine biology or it's not going to be chemistry. What what appealed about physics? Um, So, I mean, I always, I I don't think I was ever dead set on marine biology. I think I just, that kind of opened the door for it. I think like Jurassic Park came out and I was really into archaeology. And then I think as, you know, you get into your early teens, your brain starts developing. You can kind of get more abstract thought. I was just like, whoa, what about time and space? And, mm-hmm. and, and that always kind of interested me. And then once I got to, you know, like, you know, junior, senior year of high school and like took a physics class, like I, I had a knack for it. And I was like, all right, this is something. I, I think the idea was basically, I, I, it was something that I could never, I, I could never see myself fully just get. Getting, I, and never get, I could see myself never getting bored with it. And I think mm-hmm. that was the, the biggest reason I kind of pursued it. Did you have heroes like in the physics world or just science in general? Um, I read Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, and he was kind of, you know, the bad boy of physics <laughs> and stuff. He, you know, in his book, he's talking about like picking up gals and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I remember hearing stuff about, uh, obviously prior to his illness, but Stephen Hawking being kind of a playboy and stuff like that. I yeah. Like, oh. I, I, I didn't see the movie, but I know he, he cheated on his wife with his like caretaker nurse, yeah. I believe, which it's kind of impressive. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all right. I almost, I, cause I feel like the Feynman quote, I know very little about him beyond just his approach of, I like the search and if it's an onion and it's just layers and layers, that's okay. Sure. I like looking. Yeah. And so as you get more into physics, you just keep going deeper into it. And yeah. like, you never feel like you're digging into a tunnel that, oh, I can't even see the light back toward where I came from. Oh yeah, no, you, you, you get into And the other thing too, is it's, it's, it's a good analogy where you're digging into the onion because, you know, you dig into it, but you don't dig to the side, mm-hmm. um, you know, where I, in, in your own particular field, you might know everything there is to know, but you could know next to nothing about, you know, like even a kind of tangentially related field, you know, yeah. like I, I'm in, I'm condensed matter, experimental physics. I know next to nothing about particle physics and astronomy other than, you know, some undergrad elective level stuff. Yeah. We were talking about that when we did uh, Dave Farina's podcast. Yes. Hello, Dave. That's how you and Hi. I came into contact. And, uh, he, I feel like, does a really good job of just being able to kind of broach almost any topic or right, subject. Yeah. But when you were talking about like really getting into the specifics of it, hearing different physicists communicate and kind of go, 
Okay, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I, I've always, you know, as you're as you're going as you're studying anything, you know, the idea, what you imagine, the idea is that you have to kind of know everything. You have to know everything, and I think when I finally started to realize like what it meant to like really kind of have your shit together as a scientist is when I heard, you know, somebody started explaining something to my advisor, and he was like, "Oh, I actually don't really know anything about that. Can you just give me a quick background?" And I'm just like, like he just admitted that he didn't know something. <laughs> That's against the rules. <laughs> I feel like I try to do that and, and I, hopefully it's not an affectation. I try to like genuinely when I don't know and there's always that risk of like, I think I'm just dumb. Yeah. But, but it always comes up with words. Someone yep. will say a word to me and th- I feel like the only reason I do it and feel comfortable enough doing it is exactly that. Like I saw someone who I considered very intelligent go, um, see, I don't know what that means. Oh yeah, no, I, I actually I do the exact same thing. I have a terrible vocabulary and I'm, and I'm just straight up and, and half the time it's a word that I suspect the person doesn't really know what it means either. <laughs> so it's kind of a win win either i learn a new word or i make somebody look like an idiot (laughs) it's my devious way of tearing the world down one person at a time yeah oh that's funny i didn't even think of that i don't know if that's ever come up where the person goes i was bluffing no well they'll just be like oh you know it's kind of like this i think you're just like all right cool we're in the same boat yeah we we just bonded (laughs) yeah yeah no it feels good to i I wonder why that it may and i think that's kind of the impetus maybe for doing this sort of show is Mm. The science for so long is like kind of in these towers where like oh it's these weird geniuses that were grown in a lab and then they go off to work in these secluded areas and then they mm. just show up and present what they found and we get to see no part of it and or we don't really know who they are that did it but we trust like they're super geniuses oh yeah no it's it's cool going to you know conferences and stuff like that where you know there's some papers where you know i've i've read through them you know a half dozen times and every paper you write cites them and you meet these people in real life and you're just like oh man this is that guy uh-huh. but then you like go to lunch and have a beer and they're just like there's another dude like they just happened to study a topic that you were interested in as well like it's yeah it's kind of you know you as you meet your heroes it's you know they're very much just regular people and, and same with you know everybody you go through your program with mm-hmm. and, and i i look around you go to any city and there'll be big houses on wherever the hill is even if it's a tiny hill in a flat area and you're like there are really successful people some of them could have just been through business mm-hmm. but likely that person's the most famous motocrosser in the area that person does this as a youtuber or there's mm-hmm. a million and those are <laughs> I'm having trouble like coming up with good examples, but <laughs> the best pie baker in all of LA yeah, County, <laughs> yeah, snowmobiles and yeah. and comedy and musicians and yeah. whoever else like they have a little circle of people, wh- whether that's their digital followers online or whoever that would be like they matter to me, they're so important, mm-hmm. or for you like these physicists that wrote papers, whereas I would walk right past them, yeah. like, no idea who that is, and so you're I, there was this interview uh, one time I heard this girl and the person interviewing her was like do you have you have fans now she goes yeah it's weird and she's <laughs> like how do you, te- you know, how do you approach that and she goes well, she said the greatest quote. She goes, we all need those little twinkle twinkles. I need them. <laughs> and she was like a big fan of Dolly Parton. And she's sure. like, Dolly Parton might feel just like me. Like I'm a normal person. But to me, she's not that. She is someone. And I, I love that we all kind of have that. But more and more, we're all kind of recognizing. It takes a little of the fun out of it. Like everyone is just a person. Yeah. yeah. Now there was uh, at one point uh, kind of near the end of our tenure as, as the band in Boston, um, a few a couple of us were on a train going to a concert and a couple of kids were like, oh, you're the guys who played that show <laughs> and and th- i'm sure those people have forgot about that encounter of meeting us but literally like once a year we'll kind of get drunk and be like do you remember that time people recognized us on the train that was crazy <laughs> yeah not too long ago a girl i was getting gas and a girl came walking over and she was i felt like i started digging in my pockets because i she just had a look that was gonna be like she started saying, I never do this. I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, I get it. You need like a buck to get some gas to go home and get your wallet or mm-hmm. something like that in my yeah. head. I'm like, that's okay. So I started like reaching in my pocket. She said, I never do this. I'm so sorry. I just want to tell you, I love your podcast. And it was from an old podcast I did, of right. course. But still, I was like, oh, yeah, whoa. That's like, it. I, yeah. And when I, the, the show I do here locally in town, like I always just hang out in the room. And initially people would be a little off put by that i think they wanted me to be behind a curtain right to, they, yeah people want you to be like oh i got a glimpse of them and when you're just hanging out it diffuses it like oh, they just they're just one of us yeah. yeah he's just having a regular conversation like everything he said wasn't a stitch like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i maybe as an entertainer or someone you probably owe it to 
whoever is listening or paying attention to to be prince or to try to have this fanfare but Mm -hmm. a lot of that just becomes unnecessary and i would imagine in physics there's less of that but are there people that carry like a bit of an air like yeah i've been referenced in some papers yeah there's you get i I mean i think going along with with science and in general but especially physics uh you get a lot of people with uh, a a lot of social quirks Mm -hmm. and and i feel like in a lot of ways a, a lot of people who are especially some really good physicists that's kind of their bread and butter like that's kind of what defines them Mm -hmm. so the better they do in the field the better they are as a person yeah Uh, so yeah you definitely see some people at conferences who are just you know like if you tried to just you know say hi to them they'll they'll humor you but clearly think you're just one of the puzzles and you know (laughs) but yeah but i I don't think that's that's so much the arrogance of the field i think that's just the person and Mm -hmm. you know I remember playing in this basketball league and I was just asked by a friend, but, um, it was kind of meant to be like a, a celebrity league. Mm. And I, and I was, I feel so weird. And he's like, don't worry about it. Like we, we need extra players and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, All right. But there was this one guy that really carried himself as if like, is are the paparazzi outside? And I was like, who is that guy? <laughs> Do we have security for this? Cause. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yeah, we give him a lot of a lot of grief about that because he's not famous but he really acted like oh yeah i gotta call my publicist and all these things i'm like who in the hell is this guy i would imagine that in physics or things like that you become you have to develop like a a fame attitude just in that like if you're getting bothered all the time the first few times you're probably like hey what's up man by the 30th person that comes up you're like oh great great thanks for coming out good to see you like yeah yeah maybe i i yeah i don't personally know very few people who are are at that kind of echelon you Mm -hmm. know but i it's also i mean it's it's generally a kind of a a tame polite bunch for the most part so do you have ambitions to get to kind of like a a neil degrasse like tyson level or something i mean that would be cool i mean especially i'd be i'd be down to i mean like what we're doing here i like i, I i'd be down to talk about it more in, in that mm-hmm. sense as far as like being like a renowned physicist uh, uh so i'm actually so there's you kind of go the academic route which is kind of where the prestige comes from i'm actually uh trying to start a company um so okay. so t- taking the industrial route i guess uh, was the phd because you just finished it not too long ago in, right? last summer yeah so and was that necessary for like the credentials to do this or just the knowledge um so it's uh so i studied physics undergrad and then i took two years off and i didn't know if i would be going to grad school or getting a job and i ended up getting a job in another academic lab just as like a scientist like a mm-hmm. you know research assistant one or whatever and ended up working on some really cool projects and getting some great publications but as i was working there there was always this kind of like this force field where i'd want to you know like oh like what's the deal with this or like can i calculate this or like ah you haven't had like these classes yet and, and i just felt I felt this kind of glass ceiling where, where I needed to go to grad school to like understand the stuff I wanted to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big driving force behind it. And where'd you do undergrad? So I did undergrad at Boston University, and, and then I worked in a lab at Harvard for two years, and then uh, got into UCLA based off of pretty <laughs> solely based off of the stuff I did at, at Harvard and the papers <laughs> and stuff. That's cool. So you getting into like a grad program is more like, here's what I did. It doesn't, I mean, your grades obviously matter. Yeah. So my, my grades were fine. Um, but I I got, uh, we got a a publication that ended up being the front cover of nature magazine, which was pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. We, uh, we took, it was back in kind of the, I started working on graphene, you know, but within a year of kind of its invention Mm -hmm. and that was like a huge wave in research. Um, does graphene, is that the one so Dagny, who was on this show, Fleischman was talking, I think she was talking about this, where it was just putting like carbon, on, did they use scotch tape oh, or God, something? Oh God, yes, yes. I, okay. I've, I've gone through dozens and dozens of rolls of scotch, <laughs> scotch brand, magic tape, the green roll. That's, That's the, so fascinating. Like yeah, you yeah. just built it up and you were a part of this? So I, uh, I, I didn't, didn't invent it by any means. Uh, these guys in, in Manchester who did and, and eventually got the Nobel Prize for it. But yeah. um. And, and so they didn't actually, there, there's some controversy. There's somebody who I guess goes to every one of one of the, one of the two Nobel laureates for it. Um, there's a guy who goes to as many talks as he can and raises his hand and say, didn't whoever invent this first, whoever being him. But uh, so they, they, why isn't there a movie about this guy? Uh, I just traveling the world give with it, fake <laughs> mustaches. And what about? <laughs> yeah. The, give it, give it time. All right. Maybe we can start the scripts. Yeah. Yeah. So get that guy in here. So, so what they, what they did that was made, they made it accessible. There was people you know a couple years before who may or may not have created it but on like very very tiny scales through really complicated process these guys discovered if you just take graphite do sticky tape and push it down on a silicon wafer you get these single layer atomic sheets mm-hmm. so I, I started uh just as an undergrad I, I popped into a professor's office and said hey i want a job and 
he said, all right, well, here's some scotch tape. Here's some graphite. There's this new thing. See if you can make it. So I figured out how to make it. And then he said, we'll figure out how to Just make it. You re- realistically, did you, you must have read about it. Um, I looked through a couple pa- I mean, all I really knew was like, you know, you snick it together with sticky. You, you put a little crumb on there. You smack together sticky tape and you push it down on a wafer. And beyond that, I, I mean, literally I've been doing it for years and I really couldn't tell you any more specifically how to do that other than like, then you press down with this amount of force and it's a very, it's a very human process. It's, it's very, yeah. you know, it's, it's very touch and just some people can get giant sheets and some people can't get anything. It's very, it's the not, wafer. Would it look like you just rub charcoal on it with your thumb afterward? No. So oh, I was... I have pictures of it. So if, if you look at it, you can kind of, if you shine it against the light, you can see some bigger, thicker flakes that might resemble kind of a, like a silvery kind of metallic graphite looking thing. But if you zoom in, you see these beautiful, like single layer is kind of like a light purple and then it gets to kind of a deeper purple and then it's like kind of a blue and then a green and then a yellow. And you kind of see the spectrum of colors as it gets thicker and you can use the color differences to kind of eyeball how thick it is. Whoa. Yeah. And it's cool. It makes them really, I, I've, I have some pictures of some just really beautiful fields of graphite that it's just like aesthetically pretty cool looking and when you say pictures like it would look like a giant field but if we zoomed out it's the size of what a quarter or something? oh so the um the chips are usually like yeah like a centimeter by centimeter and the f- the area of graphene itself would be like you know tens of micro micrometers yeah. so you know a, a piece of hair is like a couple hundred micrometers thick so it's, it's very tiny and, and so it, it's it's hard to mass produce um by that method which is like incredibly <laughs> high purity so they have other methods of growing it but there's you know there's a there's a lot of defects and stuff like that and it's like multi-crystalline um but yeah so we started out um figured out how to make that uh these films figured out how to write con electrical contacts on these devices so they could do experiments and mm-hmm. got some clean room skills and that got me the job at harvard which was kind of doing similar stuff writing contacts to graphene and, and carbon nanotubes and what got us um the 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 big paper was we took a sheet of graphene put it over a hole in a chip and then they put that chip in, in this cell where on either side was a solution of like a kind of a uh, kind of a salt solution that you could run a current through and they had DNA in one side mm-hmm. and you apply a bias and that bias drives the DNA through the hole. What's a bias? Like what would that oh, be? Oh, sorry, a voltage. You oh, just okay. apply, yeah, so you apply a voltage, it drives the DNA through the hole and you can measure the current going through the hole and every time a piece of DNA goes through, you see the current drop because it blocks the hole in there. So they could see all these strands of DNA. They could see when it folds in half, you could see it's the blockage is twice as big Whoa. for half as long. Yeah, so that was, so we were, so we got a big paper on that that which i think that technology is being leased by uh i think it's oxford nanopore or something what would the purpose be for that so so this was part of the the national institute of health's uh thousand dollar genome project and the idea was you they want you to be able to walk into a doctor's office you know give them a drop of blood and walk out with your entire genome on you know like a flash drive for a thousand dollars or under um, so, so the idea is if you can slide this through in theory, the, because the graphene's so thin, it's very sensitive to the, to what's blocking it. So in theory, you could see the different base pairs based on how wide they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how practical that is. And I think now they have, um, they're, they're, they have similar methods, um, that are a little more sensitive, mm-hmm. but yeah, this was the first one. It was, this was back when graphene was huge and DNA sequencing was huge. So together it was, you know, kind of a, a perfect storm of publishable stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How often does that happen where something more in kind of the biology world, they would call up you physicists and be like, hey, we need help. So this was so in the kind of group of uh, of uh, the group of, of research groups looking into this problem. I think they were the only group who were using it's called solid state nanopores so people were using you can make nanopores out of like proteins and stuff like that this was the only group using like nanomaterials that weren't biological to look at biological things mm-hmm. so i think it was a i think i got pretty lucky falling into that lab but uh, that that helps getting written up in a paper and kind of like a, a badge on your oh no yeah absolutely it's uh yeah i mean it shows uh, when you're going into grad school you're really only in for physics at least you're only in classes for a year maybe a year and a half most of the time is your research so mm. if your grades are decent enough that you can get through that first year and pass your comprehensive exam then what they really care about is that you're going to contribute to the university because you know 
you you bring in for every hundred thousand dollars hundred thousand dollars you get to do like research as part of a grant this university gets about a third of that just okay. off the top mm-hmm. so if you can do research and bring in money that way it's really valuable to the university i see so yeah. part how good of a grant writer were you or are you uh so the, i didn't i didn't actually start writing grants until the last couple of years uh, i in general i'm a pretty decent writer i think i think compared to yeah most kind of scientific writers and because you have to have like you have to communicate to the lay person so to yeah speak. yeah exactly well and also just kind of yeah it's it's tough to you're kind of laser focused on you know the science aspect of it you forget that you know if you, if you have slightly improper english you can kind of be confusing and, and stuff oh, like I see. that so my, my advisor was actually a particularly good writer so he would kind of torture us with what this participle doesn't refer to this article <laughs> i have no idea what this means i'm like dude you know what it means just <laughs> is a participle a thing I, I don't know i'm not that good <laughs> oh yeah participle participle they dangle i know that but Dangling i don't participle yeah. yeah yeah okay and what's the company that for, how are you enjoying this I, i'm actually this is right in my alley thank you very much cool perfect yeah yeah i like it who yeah. brews this this is local like anaheim or something Recursion, right? induction series where's the name Oh, there it is. Yeah, Anaheim. Anaheim. All right, right where it says danger. Oh man, it's got a warning label on it. Yeah, man. It's bottle a- BottleLogic.com, Anaheim, California. Yeah, right. way to go, Bottle Logic. Yeah, good, good job. And it looks kind of like when I think of a lab, I think that's what we all think of is this label with a lot of like <laughs> zoom, it's just zoom, things getting zapped zoom. and people wearing nothing but safety glasses, even though there's <laughs> clearly massive amounts of radiation hitting them. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> and when. You as a scientist see things like that. You go, oh my god, that's ridiculous. Why the radiation is what you got to be worried about? They should wearing cloaks. Yeah, or- I, I get. I just get more happy that you know science is in the in pop culture these days a little more than it used to be. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, even, even, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not the guy who like watches a movie. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I can't watch this. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's funny. Like, oh, that's- yeah. We kind of <laughs> talked about gravity and how pretty it was, right? Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. I like, it looks like space is a pain in the ass and it was fun to watch. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> and that's not, oh, first of all, let's get into your company. What is that going to do? Uh, so I guess, bef- I guess to, to give background to that, I should probably talk about like what my thesis was and sure, stuff. Yeah. Um, so and you studied at UCLA. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so in the, in the physics, department um so my uh so general areas i work on transmission electron microscopy so these are these big you know multi-million dollar like 12 foot tall you know foot and a half wide uh electron microscopes that have really 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 fancy optics and they actually work surprisingly similar to like a, an optical microscope you know, you know you can if you have a lens and a flashlight you can you know you can mock you could basically say like oh this is what it looks like when your beam tilt is out of line and like i'm like oh that's exactly what it looks like in the electron microscope as really it does. yeah it is actually something i saw for the first time fairly recently and it just somebody had a lens and they were shining a light and i'm just like oh that's ah that's this and that's you know you need to you need to fix your beam tilt there you need to you know that's uh that's your ronky gram like you can you, you can actually so it's <laughs> that's it's, your ronky Graham. It's your Ronky Graham. That's that's my new <laughs> <What> sitcom. That? <laughs> that's your Ronky Graham. Uh, it's it's uh it's part of a diffraction pattern that you get when you have a convergent beam. Knew it. And, yeah, exactly. It's 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 a way to check your focus in a really fine way. There's there's some mathematical explanation for what it is. But, okay. Which I, which I could Google, but <laughs> we, don't, we don't have time for that. So why was that unique? In that on this really microscopic level, it mirrors what was happening on well so you learn about you know you you learn about optics and in you know undergrad physics and all that where it's like all right here's the focal length and here's you know here's your where you get your diffraction and and stuff like that you learn all these optical properties and you just kind of assume it works for light and then you have this whole concept of particle wave duality where you're just like all right well you know like photons are like kind of a thing but really like you get light waves like light in i think in most cases wait photons are kind of a thing well, okay. So you, in pretty much every way we use light, it's kind of acting like a wave for the most part. Okay, But so, I'm thinking of the sun sending out just immense amounts of photons and they travel indefinitely and they're hitting our eyes, they're hitting our... Right. But that's also, you could also think of all those photons as, as kind of a wave packet that's, you know, propagating and reflecting. And there's, there's uh, equations for how, you know, a light wave is going to reflect off a material with a certain, you know, okay. active index So and the stuff photon like that. would be in like kind of a sinusoidal pattern? Yeah, basically, it's 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 got kind of a, a vibration to it. Gotcha. As, okay. As well. So it's 
Um, but it, but it's again, you can't define it as one and the other kind of simultaneously. And this is this whole, you know, quantum dealy. Um, but so you, you figure, you know, light, I, I assume it's mostly a wave, but if you do the math, it can kind of act like a particle. Okay. I, I is buy this that where, cause in gravity, when it sort of disappears, when you get to the quantum level or it doesn't, it, it doesn't mathematically resonate to the same degree is that yeah i think the the idea is that if you treat something like a particle you don't know what its wave like behavior is if you treat something like a wave you don't know what its particle like behavior is. okay yeah and this is so when people talk about like a unified theory this must be one of the sticking things of that we can't cross this bridge that's part of it i think it's also more where like kind of like there there comes a point where relativity and, and quantum theory kind of butt heads where like you know if one's true then this is false but we know this is true so this must be false but we know this is true yeah yeah and when have you been in those groups where people get together and do they ever sit down maybe over beers and try to go all right what do you guys have uh i mean i link these up uh, i'm i'm more in the the experimental side of things so there's ideas and kind of talk about what uh you know like the the best guesses are for that but it's more it really comes down to it's kind of a mathematical problem at least for the time being there's no like there's no experiment we can do or that i'm aware of at least again this is isn't really my field so i might be sounding stupid right now but there, there, <laughs> I definitely are sounding totally but there's as far as i know there's there's not there's not many situations where like this becomes a problem it's just like mathematically you know trying to reconcile them is but, that weird to get into where you're navigating into this unknown and yet knowing what you want to pursue or achieve within it meaning like you've got the wafer that you're putting graphite Mm -hmm. on and that's a very one-to-one tangible kind of thing as weird as it seems when you're Mm -hmm. doing it but then this you're going into like well i don't really know what a photon is as far as waves but i want to experiment in this realm yeah well i feel like this is kind of where the like kind of theory and experiment kind of breaks apart with with you're 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 gonna have a bad time if you're going into an experiment not really knowing what to expect Mm -hmm. and the idea is to design an experiment have kind of a reason outcome and then if you get it cool if you don't then either your experiment sucks or there's a good reason for it and that might be a cool result too i remember being this is kind of out of out in the woods as far as that goes but i remember as a kid when it would come time for the science fair mm-hmm. i'd get so excited but then my friends and i would get together and suddenly we were out of ideas mm-hmm. so now as an adult i'm always looking at stuff just simple things like the way dishes soak in a in a sure. sink little yeah. things like oh that's what i would have a kid i would just throw that out there which you're always running the risk of like the person judging it going did your parent help you <laughs> <laughs> but still i would i would throw out those ideas like maybe you could test this maybe you could test this yeah yeah, yeah. and so seeing those you have a built-in kind of hypothesis like well i think this in time and etc is going to make it dissolve quicker so even in these unknown areas you have to have a vague idea of like i think this is going to happen yeah i mean you do there's definitely some experience where you just kind of go into it being like something's going to happen and and with imaging and and the electron microscope that's sometimes what we're doing is just like i don't know let's just put it in and see what happens and Mm -hmm. then kind of figure it out later which is cool and it's kind of exciting but it also may takes much longer to write that paper if you have to like get a result and then backtrack and figure out what the hell that means yeah i love hillbillies and like the moonshiner show and and people (laughs) that have to think on their feet or have you ever worked with like uh go to like a tire shop or Mm -hmm. be around i don't know there are people that like just have this ability to well what if we did this like you see a little car going down the road with 15 mattresses on it people just look the other (laughs) way but i'm always looking like how in the hell do they tie that yeah there's there's a bit of genius to that for sure yeah i'm always so impressed by it in 90 percent of what you do in a lab is just problem solving it's just like oh like this is sucking let's make it suck less how Mm -hmm. do we do that let's brainstorm okay cool like make the unsucking begin like (laughs) (laughs) do you ever sit there and we're looking at the label of this beer and thinking like zap something get an idea of how it zaps the way it you know operates and then go what if we could use that to do that does that ever occur so that's actually this is going back into the company and all that that's that's kind of what we did um so i guess going back we got to electron microscope we got to uh particle wave duality electrons so mm. we know electrons are a particle um that's that's pretty and then you hear that anything that's a particle can also be a wave it's like yeah sure whatever um so in this electron microscope you have a, a beam of electrons that come down and we know electrons are particles, but they behave just like light does in a lens. These lenses are magnetic in the electron microscope. And then even when you hit a sample that's crystalline, it makes a diffraction pattern, which is like 100% wave-like behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the really trippy part... Uh, which what would a, Sorry to interrupt, but what would a diffraction pattern be? 
so they, when you see it, you go, Oh, that's wave. Okay. So if you're, if you're looking, if you're looking at, uh, optically, you have something that's called a diffraction grading, which might be just kind of a regularly, uh, spaced series of lines. And if they're, you know, a certain distance apart, you shine a light through it and you see, if you have just like a laser, you would see kind of, uh, you'd see a bright peak in the middle and then kind of symmetric peaks with like regular periodicity and it kind of dies down. And that's kind of a high school or like undergrad level experiment. You can show that in, uh, in an electron diffraction pattern, you have a, a kind of a plane wave of electrons coming down, and it makes these really regular pattern of dots. Okay. And, and based on the the, the brightness and, and the arrangement of the dots, you can tell like some stuff about the crystal structure. And if you want to get really fancy, you could uh, you know maybe heat it up and see how the dots you know move and, and, and attenuate as you go further out in, in space and stuff like that. And I only mentioned that because I did that for a year and my grad career and it went nowhere but (laughs) (laughs) when you say going further out and you're fancy you're in your tuxedo you're watching these things attenuate out yep how far is out oh so this is um so when you you have an image that's in real space this is getting a little heady but you a diffraction pattern is basically a reciprocal space image let me see if i can define that yeah reciprocal space i'm thinking of like um what's that camera obscura thing or something where you're getting like a reciprocal like Uh, the light is coming in and it's upside down so that's that you're you're kind of you're just inverting the image this is kind of i guess the way to think of it is is i guess going back to the particle wave duality is the real space image is kind of x x like x and y space the reciprocal space image is in momentum space Ooh. And, and that's also and you can kind of think of that as like wave space <laughs> okay. so but, these are terms and or things i never think about so this is this is really stretching my imagination to try to like comprehend this. yeah well it's the the, the take-home message is that because it's a wave and it's hitting a regular pattern that wave kind of interferes or either constructively or destructively with itself and the result of that in the electron microscope is a bunch of dots okay gotcha so the really trippy part of all this is that um we know these are high energy electrons they're moving at something like you know 0.8 the speed of light so there's actually relativistic considerations but if you calculate out you know the you know the length of the column you know how fast they're going and you know your current there's never more than one electron in the column at a time so you have this you form this diffraction pattern which is absolutely absolutely wave-like behavior with a particle that you absolutely know is just it's an electron it's it's a particle and you're only doing one at a time so a single particle one at a time is still acting like a wave yeah so, so everything essentially because we have a frequency the planet has a frequency yeah. everything is vibrating in some way there's yeah. nothing that's just traveling through space right yeah and i think it's you can i, I remember on you know like undergrad like you know quiz it was like you know you have a truck moving this fast that weighs this much like what's its uh, what's its wavelength i'm like I, I get you could say that it has a wavelength i don't i don't think a truck ever behaves like a wave really i think you have to have a pretty simple kind of singular packet to do that but it's it's kind of a it's a cool way to think of it i guess Yes. Yeah. My thinking would be that does the electron think that it's bobbing? Like our spaceships, you know, our shuttles don't think they're bobbing. But what if something else was studying them and they seemed infinitesimally small? They'd be like, oh, the everything. Is it a... Res- yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I think... I think the fact that in that spaceship you, I mean, so in an, in an electron, as far as we know, an electron is just an electron. Is not made of like smaller stuff um, without getting too deep into stuff? I have no idea about, but, mm. uh, but I mean, you, you have a collection of, of, of trillions of atoms in a spaceship. So even if you're really big, looking at something really small, you're starting to get into like, I guess kind of more quantum effects, mm-hmm. which kind of only occurs in small. So I think quantum effects don't really, it's not like, you know, a planet looks at, you know, uh, an ant and sees that ant as something quantum. I think there's like uh, the idea with quantum physics that there's an absolute kind of length scale and time scale and energy scale on which things behave quantumly. So quanta, yeah. you know, do you spend a lot of your time thinking about like going back to the ship or just you being a person and looking at like the amount of atoms just all piled together and how tenuous that relationship is? Like, what if they all just separate? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think about that. Maybe just for the anxiety of it. But I mean, most, most of what I look like, look at is kind of on the nano scale where you actually do see kind of, you know, maybe, maybe not individual atoms, but you know, dozens of atoms at a time kind of moving around in, mm-hmm. in little forces. But I mean, things, things scale really weird with forces. So like you can apply, you know, a small voltage and get crazy electric fields if your spacing is you know a few nanometers or something but that same voltage on like a battery isn't going to dissolve your hand you know yeah yeah. and so i'm when you talk about them going down the line one at a time and even them even each electron having like a like it's vibrating or, or you know it's moving like a wave 
I would be so curious, like the line of electrons as they're waiting their turn to go down the tube. Like, what does that look <laughs> just like? Just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, next, I mean, like they're just, is it like water getting poured into a tube or um, is it cattle so, funneling so, so down a chute? So it's kind of like, I, I guess you could think of it more like a, uh, uh, one of those tennis ball shooter or like baseball, you know, batting cage shooters yeah. where they're kind of, um, the electrons are kind of generated out of source and they're, they're given a little bit of, a uh, little bit of energy, um, just to knock them off, you know, whatever the electron source is. Um, and then they go through these plates, these accelerating plates that zoom them from, you know, a few electron volts to 300,000 electron volts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're kind of just, yeah is it i mean i do this ad nauseum but everything sort of gets anthropomorphized oh yeah when you're watching this do you guys start doing that a little bit oh no buckle up get uh, ready yeah i mean it's well especially uh a lot of a lot of our experiments run really late we do like eight ten hour experiments and the microscope ends up being cheaper after 9 p.m so you get kind of loopy around the three or four (laughs) o'clock hour so yeah and and for some reason a lot of uh a a lot of things in in kind of microscale samples look like penises so that's always hilarious because <laughs> we're very mature here <laughs> <laughs> again i love that because it goes back to that thing of like scientists they went into their lab and they did some work and they came out and here are our findings we're scientists we're we're wizard people you know I, a lot of my experiments lately have just been off-color jokes <laughs> while we're sitting there waiting for a scan to finish <laughs> what's the breakdown is it getting a little bit more diverse or is it mostly dudes or what's going on in your lab oh uh so my lab is uh, i mean physics in general is yeah it's kind of mostly dudes uh, maybe I think I feel like it used to be about ten percent uh, female, and maybe it's now more like twenty five percent. We had uh, a female in our lab who actually laughed recently. Um, but because yeah, I mean, of the jokes or just she didn't. Oh uh, no, it. she just uh, just wasn't loving the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, so it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely male dominated for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah your company is that going to be something you take into consideration or you just have to play the hand you're dealt and uh i mean it's it's it'll come down to you know uh you know who i know and who kind of the the best workers are i've actually i've met a couple female uh people who have really good clean room skills that i'd consider hiring for it uh if if i didn't you know if they weren't studying in europe right now or something like it's yeah i'm not i have i also i have four sisters who are all you know strong independent women so yeah i I, you know i like you know kind of admire them in in a lot of ways so like i'm not really that inclined to be like she's just a girl she doesn't know anything oh sure yeah i'm the same way as far as like my upbringing and i feel like it's weird that people kind of have to divulge that or put it out there as sort of like a here, here's my credentials as to yeah. why I'm not a monster. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm not racist. So I have a black friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, yeah. Same, same, similar argument. How's this recursion IPA treating you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, okay. I'm getting getting near the end of the glass. But. Okay, maybe let's refill a little bit, and and I want to get more into uh, the company side of things, yeah. the future, and then also uh, wherever it takes. Us. All right, yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Billy Hubbard. Were you able to keep up with it? I hope so. Parts of it got a little out of hand and. I felt uh, like I didn't have the requisite mental capacity to keep up at certain points, but hopefully I uh, applied the brakes enough times, and hopefully that's not distracting or annoying. Who can ever know? But I try to just um, converse where at least it makes sense to me, and um, I don't know. I'm curious. I I don't think anything was too out of, but some of those concepts, in part two, we get more into that plus kind of the, the... the discussion of what it all means, how it ties into what the universe might be, et cetera, et cetera. But um, just real interesting getting to know Billy. That beer is fantastic. And the fact that he plays music and is, and as you've probably noticed more and more times from these scientists, they're usually well-rounded and they're not just in lab coats, uh, you know, 100% of their free time using beakers and things and staring into microscopes. They're, they're out there living life just like the rest of us. And so it's it's real interesting to see, you know, that or hear about things in their childhood or upbringing, uh, playing music, for instance. I want to play some of Billy's music at the end as well. Thanks for subscribing and uh, rating and reviewing the show. It does help the metrics and things like that. So if you listen to the show and you're like, yeah, I've never really contributed anything, and perhaps you appreciate that there are no ads ever, the, the least you could do, go go click one on one of the stars on iTunes that will help a little review is good you can you can shop for things on the spacecave.com hand screen printed things that i made or you can uh, donate or become a patreon member or you can continue to do nothing 
it's completely fine. Don't feel guilty. Certainly not trying to guilt anyone into anything. But if you'd like to help, those are a few of the ways you can do it. Thanks to Dan for putting the show together, as always. Thanks to Rob for the theme music. And here's some more music from Forrest Henderson. This is a live one, which I feel like captures the essence of them, perhaps, the most. Billy in his element. You can hear the, the, the energy, the emotion. And uh, here's some music from them with This Means War. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. This is a new song. Deal with it. Oh, oh, oh.